Hello? Hi, Raymond. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm so sorry. I, I don't, uh, my hearing shot, so I actually sometimes don't hear my phone ring. That's okay. Um, we are definitely, I'm just doing a little mic test to see if it's working and everything's recording. It looks like everything's recording now, so that's good. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Doing all right, just trying to navigate through life, as most yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> the world, <laughs> the world be world in us. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, uh, my my father-in-law unfortunately passed away on Thursday, so we're just trying to like navigate through that. But, oh man! Wow, I'm so sorry. It has been. Oh, thank you. Well, how's your family doing? Are they okay? Uh, they're hanging in there. Yeah, my wife is. Yeah, she's pretty. She's going through the the gamut of emotions, which is understandable. Totally understandable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he was a cool dude. Totally cool dude, but yeah. Other besides all that, just literally trying to just take day by day and and navigate through. Uh, just navigate basically through life. Yeah, man, my condolences because it's, I feel like our, cause Raymond and I know each other from the Artist Way group. We're in an, a weekly Artist Way sort of meetup, um, and it's hosted and ran by Jessica Michelle Singleton. Um, and you were so awesome. I, I just put in, in the chat that I'm doing just this little project on my uh, podcast of 30 Days of Positivity. So thank you so much for joining. But I feel, I feel like our little group that 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 meets weekly. It's like we're going through the trenches together. It's it's, it's oh, uh, 100. It's an experience. Absolutely, 100%. It's uh, the perspective I have gained from each and every one of you, and from just hearing, you know, sometimes we as people have perceptions of if someone's like doing something at a higher level that they don't have problems. And then when you realize that people at higher levels have real shit going, they're going through too, it puts everything in perspective that we're all just human at the end of the day. You yeah, know, we're, we're all one human family. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh we're definitely going through the trenches together, but y'all have been a huge help. And it's uh it shed some light on some stuff like um doing the daily pages and then, you know, this week we're supposed to go back and read through them and it's just that same reoccurring theme that you see certain things sticking out like, Oh, I just basically need to move on from this to be like a little bit happier. Very eye-opening, and um, I wanted to ask you, Raymond, um, you know, for this particular project, 30 Days of Positivity, I've just been focusing on kind of rising up through some, a lot of struggles, but finding positivity within that, and I wanted to ask, um, because you, you mentioned you had something that you wanted to kind of highlight and share here, um, what have you found kind of focusing on positivity or finding positivity through the changes in life? That's a great question. That's a really great question. Um, 
to go, one of the most positive things actually came out of my life that most people would look at as a negative is I actually got sober because I got my wife now, I got her pregnant three weeks into dating her and we were both going through it. She was actually about ready to get ready for a divorce and she just wanted to hang out. And then, um, yeah, unfortunately, I mean, not unfortunately, fortunately I, I, um, we met at a time when we kind of needed somebody and then, uh, yeah, we thought we were just going to hang out and date. And then she told me she was pregnant. And from that pregnancy, uh, came our son and it made me realize my dad was an alcoholic. My brother's an alcoholic. Uh, I have other family members who are alcoholics. I was an alcoholic and it made me realize I didn't want to fall in those same pitfalls. When I was born into my family dynamic, there's stuff that people should not have seen from, from the jump. I mean, you know, literally my brother and my dad would get into fist fights. Um, you know, my dad abused my mom. My mom was abusive. So that was like basically my whole dynamic. And it impacted me through education where I was not studious at all. You know, I was extroverted when I needed to be, but I'm actually really quite reserved and would just kind of do my own thing off to the side. And then uh, one of the catalysts that actually threw me into being an alcoholic is my dad unfortunately died of a heart attack. Um, ironically enough, outside of the hospital where he was going to go get his heart checked, he was actually going to his cardiologist appointment and he died of a heart attack. I mean, what is the irony wow. of, of that happening? Uh, him and I were not close, but my brother had a relationship with him. And when my dad died, I had a lot of questions. So I fell into drinking, partying, and this is the end of my, my, my senior year of high school. Then I realized that there was a little bit where I realized, oh, okay, I'm falling into this trap. And then I kind of like, uh, you know, stayed on the path of, okay, don't drink, don't do this. Well, that all went down the shitter. Sorry for cursing. That all went down the crapper when, uh, when I just was in, in environments that were not productive to me, you know, playing college football, my job at the time, and just certain people I was hanging around with, they just uh, was drawing my energy, and I was falling into it, just drinking heavily, you know, partaking in drugs or whatever. And then so when I met my wife and she was pregnant, that's when I realized I just got to, uh, I got to turn myself around to be uh, a good father, a good husband, and just the overall better person. Oh, man. When did you start doing stand-up? So it's totally funny. I used to do backyard parties when I drank a long time ago. Uh, and I used to, like, and sometimes I would do, so when I, I, I coached, and I would also do like banquets. I posted banquet track banquets, you know, writing jokes and doing bits. But I was always too afraid to go to actual clubs and try it. And so I would just always toy with it. And then I would, you know, do little sets here and there for people. But where I've actually really gone full full bore was about through 2019. But then the pandemic hit. And then I also do comedy improv with a, a improv group over here. 
over here being in the South Bay where I live. So I would say officially for three years, even though I did do like backyard parties, do some crazy stuff at bars when in my 20s. And then I've done like hosting a banquet and stuff for sporting events, for sport teams, not sporting events. But I would officially say three years. Do you feel like it's helped a lot like that you, because I kind of feel like a comic, it always, like you said, it always kind of finds you or shines through, even if you're trying to hide, hide back. <laughs> um, do you feel like it helped a lot with, with all the trauma that you've been through? Oh, absolutely. You know, and I think that's the thing I'm still trying to find is the voice of how do I convey the trauma without killing a room? Or, you know, making people feel like, oh, man, that dude fucked up. I mean, I was told, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to put this again. <laughs> oh, you were, all, you're, you're, you're the comedy podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> so an example is I used to have people a long time ago when I used to do backyard, uh, backyard deals, they used to tell me, man, you have a lot of pain. <laughs> you know, that's why you're funny. It was like, that's kind of messed up. <laughs> it's hilarious. So I guess there is some hilarity to to the pain, you know, and it's, that's what I I'm trying to trying to focus and and sort out is like how can I convey that and make it relatable to people, you know, because uh, I'm not the only one who's gone through you know being abused or has addiction have had had addiction problems back in the day, so I just try to find that fine line. And it has, it's been very, uh, therapeutic catharsis. You know, I just, uh, when you work here on your comedy, you try to use real life examples. And I got to remember, you can't use real people's names. You know, I, I hung out with a guy who used to deal cocaine to his sister and his, his mom and had a gun pulled out of him at a house that we were at one time. And I also seen a guy also pay for, you know, ladies in waiting with, with basically crystal meth. It's like, so I was definitely, I was definitely running with the wrong crowd, you know? And then ironically enough, see, it, uh, I don't even know if that guy's dead or alive now. Last I heard he moved to Philadelphia and, uh, I just don't want to say his name because if he is alive and he happens to come across this, <laughs> I wish him all the best. I, you know, hope he turned his life around. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He talked like if uh, Eddie Vedder. From, I'll go ahead. He's like maybe he's a comic now. <laughs> <laughs> he might be. He used to talk like if Eddie Vedder was like voicing, or Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam was voicing Droopy for the cartoons. That's how the dude used to talk. It just reminded me of Eddie Vedder. If like Eddie Vedder was even more depressed than what he comes off as being. And he had to voice the, the thing of Drew. He just, like, gee, he used to, his girls are like, ah. Well, maybe like a high droopy, not even depressed droopy. Yeah, but anywho, yeah, he was a, he was an interesting character. And that's when I realized, yeah. Also, that was another reason I got to make a change. And the irony, too, is when my wife and I first met, uh, we didn't like each other. We met at my friend's uh, 21st birthday party, but she actually was absolutely right to not like me. I was in my quote-unquote Stifler mode from the American Pie movies, 
before even Stifler was a thing. Yeah, I was a, it was just a true, uh, I was just a true slappy, true slappy, and and she had every right not to like me. You know, I go into the room at the hotel room. She was like the first person there. I thought she was good looking, but I mean, I'm trying to impress her by like turning on scrambled porn. Like what? I mean, who who the hell does that? <laughs> Apparently, I did. So, um, but when we re- when we reconnected, she uh, I just asked her actually how her marriage was doing because at the time she was engaged or she was already married, and then she just opened up like it wasn't good. She was getting divorced and everything, and I just sat there and listened, and that's how we connected. So uh, I do appreciate her uh, her honesty and her time over the years. It's been it's been fun. And what do you feel like being a dad, has being a dad helped, helped you? Oh, 1000%. I know it sounds all cliched, you know, your life changes when you become a parent, but it has, uh, my son and my daughter have, I've learned a lot from both of them. And what's cool is they will call me out on stuff. They, and I, I mean, you could take it as a, uh, like meaning called me out on stuff. If I say something that they don't think is correct, or if I have a behavior that is not not conducive to uh, people, to people, they'll call me out on it. You know, they'll they'll tell me, hey, you know what? Stop being a dick, and just you know, just basically stop being a dick. <laughs> and then I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're right. And then apologize, move on. But there's nothing but love. I've I've enjoyed being a dad. You know, my, my son's 27 and my, oh, my daughter's 22. She'll be 23 in September. Wow. She's on astrology too, Christy. She's, she's like, she tells me I'm like a Leo moon with something rising. Or is that Leo rising? I'm a Taurus, but she, she read the whole description to me and I was just like, whoa, that she's all, that's you. I'm like, no, it's not. And I'm all, yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> got to be like oh, a life party or whatever. Yeah, that's your job. You're here to shine. The Leo energy is here to be seen and heard. Even though Taurus wants to chill and eat, that's what Taurus wants to do. Yeah. So. <laughs> What's wrong with eating? Eating's fun and chilling is fun. It's the Leo. <laughs> the Leo's like, no, I need to... <laughs> They're like, hold on, we'll chill and eat, but also hand me a microphone and a spotlight. Like that's your that's your vibe. <laughs> oh my god, my daughter was right. Yeah, that that is my. <laughs> my wife has told me, uh, Ray, the world is not a stage. It's she'd always don't have to be on. <laughs> but I also think too that's a lot of nervous energy. You know, I get that nervous. And sometimes I am really shy. Actually, believe it or not, I am shy. A lot of people, bull- people listening to this or people that know me, they're all that's a bunch of bullshit. Oh, no, legitly, I am really shy. Sometimes it's when people talk to me, I get like kind of like withdrawn. And sometimes I don't even know what to say. I, I mumble my words or I stutter, you know, and it's kind of like, oh, I'm going to go over here in this corner and eat some McDonald's and, Look up how to make chicken and dumplings. <laughs> That's the tourist part. The tourist part definitely wants the nice, like, food, the foodie aspect of everything. 
I love, I'm learning something love new from you. This, what's that? What's that, that you love? The sign of Taurus is like the cool per I think that also explains like how the fact that you love sports too, because I know you're like a sports person and I told you before coming on, I know nothing about the sports, but <laughs> I know that's a big aspect yeah. of your life as well. <laughs> you know what it is. That's like, so sports. It's how I connected to my mom. So I actually look like my dad. My dad was almost my hero. I mean, he looked like James Dean. You know, he was six foot one. He just, I mean, he looked like James Dean. When you see older pictures, you're like, dude, dude was hot. I mean, and that is that like, like that might be the Arkansas side of me coming out saying my dad was hot. <laughs> he didn't die hot. He died, he died jacked up from what alcohol and drugs can do to you. But God love him. He, um, you know, he taught me, he taught me that I never wanted to swim because he held me at the bottom of, of my, uh, my bath when I was three years old. Yeah. I mean, he tried to drown me. It sucks, but oh. that's part of the trauma. It's, it's part of the bit I'm, I'm working on. It's a premise there. Uh, my brother and my mom got him off of me, but I mean, we hung out one time. We had one visitation and, uh, a fight occurred between him and my brother and he was actually eating spaghetti. And I was probably what, five years old. And I asked him what it was and he said it was worms. And then he just started laughing. And, and I took, I was, I'm so gullible. I believed him. So I wouldn't eat spaghetti for the longest time. It's probably a good thing too, because my mom was a horrible cook. And I mean, and she gave me food poisoning like bi-monthly. So I always appreciate my mom for giving me food poisoning. But she also took a life insurance policy out on me too, which we found out later on. So I'm not too sure if she was like, like, yeah. I mean, she's probably right. I mean, I probably should be, like, dead from doing something stupid or, you know, maybe in jail. If social media was around now, I mean, back then when I was growing up, a lot of us would have been in jail or possibly, I don't know, dead. Who knows? But anyway, that's how I answer your original question. I got into sports to connect with my mom. Because my mom was a huge sports fan. My dad was not. My mom was huge into sports. And my mom knew some guys who played in the NFL through uh, a guy that she used to see and uh, from Nebraska. And that's how, I, I, ironically enough, my first professional football game, because everybody knows this person because of what occurred in the 90s, uh, I got to see O.J. Simpson play running back in a preseason game against the Oakland Raiders when I was like eight, nine years old. And ironically enough, after the game, my mom and the guy, uh, because the guy knew a bunch of Raider players, they took me to a bar called Al's Cactus Club, and they let me in, but the owner just said, keep them in the back. Because the, back in the day, NFL players used to go and drink with the people, the people being the fans. Afterwards, it's not like now where it's like VIP, and they got like 25 bodyguards and all that stuff. And I actually met Kenny the Snake Stabler, who at the time was my idol uh, from Alabama. I got to meet him by the jukebox at Alice Cactus Club when I was nine years old. Steve Silvestri from Notre Dame introduced me to him. And that's how I got hooked into football, was by meeting Kenny the Snake Stabler in a bar at nine years old. Maybe that's also why, too, I uh, partaked in uh, drinking for a long time later on in life, or, you know, about 10 years later. Who knows? But yeah, that's my that's my one famous bar story. I met a dude 
that was a Hall of Famer, won a Super Bowl in a bar at nine years old. I mean, that makes sense to me. You get to meet your hero if you're in those kind of situations. So maybe it was just like that was a positive memory. (laughs) You know what? It was. He was so nice because he's all, hi, Raymond. And I was like, holy crap, you're Kenny Stabler. Of course, I'm looking up at him. I'm like, what? At nine years old, how tall are you? Like four two? I don't know. I mean, I think I was riding rides at Disneyland, but my mom never took me to Disneyland. She took me to Great America. Um, I think I was able to ride rides, but yeah, I mean, he was towering, and it's just this larger-than-life image you see on TV standing in front of you. Like, holy crap! It does kind of push you in that direction. And then as I've gotten older, and you meet famous people, and then you get to know them. Famous people really do appreciate if you really don't fan over them or, you know, salvate over them. Like, you kind of just get to know them. They're pretty chill. And then they'll be like, they'll, like, open up a little bit more. Well, I want I wanted to ask you, um, you have, I feel like your life has taken you in so many turns and directions. Um, and you, I feel like you have a really cool, like, and and. I feel like you've done so many really cool things, um, especially with the sports, and I, which I still, you know, I'm trying to understand. <laughs> like it's all good. <laughs> but like, has how like say somebody's going through like they're they're in a different part of their life, they're in more like, you know, where lost, don't have their family with them things like that, how how would you recommend, like, they get through the moments and look at the positive aspects of, say, trauma or just even going through the trenches right now? Wow, that is a great, great question. You know, you know, wow, that's, a, that's actually an excellent question. You know, that old saying, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, well, it does take having a support system of some kind, finding something that makes you feel great. You know, for example, uh, when I first started coaching, I didn't have my degree because, again, I, I people used to tell me I was stupid or whatever. And I just had, I mean, I had an experience where my sixth grade teacher physically broke my pencil because I couldn't get a math problem. So I withdrew. Well, I went back to college many years later and I finished up with a, a a dual emphasis degree in 2014 from uh, Cal State East Bay out here in the East Bay of of San Francisco and Oakland. It's like in a little borough of of Oakland, California. And I was telling my classmates who are a lot younger, I said, thank you for being accepting of me because if you didn't do it, I don't know if I would have finished. And they said, no, it was all of you. You're the one who put the the thing forward. You're the one who, who grabbed yourself and put in the effort, but I just needed one little thing, just that spark to know that I could do it. Just you got to basically find something that uh, you can grab. Heck, if you're you're alone, and you can find even a person in a diner that believes in you. That sometimes is all you need. You know, if you love music, if you love reading, if there's something that you enjoy. Find something that you can grab onto and just kind of embrace it. And then just tell yourself you're worthy. Everybody's worthy of something. You know, somebody is, uh, 
they're always going to be there's always going to be opportunities to have success and whatever success means to the individual person everybody has a different definition of success you know uh for me success is getting up and actually breathing on a daily basis i'm excited for it i'm always excited to um to see what's going to happen throughout the day and what I'm going to interact with and where it's going to take me. And I'm not even sure, did I really truly answer your question? <laughs> I mean, yeah, sometimes, I mean, it's for me, it's very hard to get out of bed as of late. I don't, like, sometimes it's an accomplishment to be like, yep, I got up and I have all these goals written down ahead of time just to, to remind myself, like, to keep going because, I feel like a lot of people are in that boat, especially if if people come from a place of depression or abuse or yes. anything like that. Uh, absolutely. That's, um, that's a great point, you know, and that is if getting out of bed is an accomplishment. You know, chalk that up. It's those little victories like that. You know, you just uh, definitely look at and go, okay, I've achieved one thing. And they just remember keep everything just small. I'm even guilty of this is when I look at something that's going to be outcome-based performance, that anxiety, the depression kicks in even harder because I'm like, I, you go into the mindset, there's no way I'm going to achieve this. And then you just, sometimes it's just easier just not to do it or you put it off until later. I have found that when I can look at the small things that I've accomplished going, okay, this feels pretty good. I can, I can get it done. Then that's when I've noticed I've had more success where I've had not the most efficient outcomes or, or a uh, failure for a better lack of a word is when I have uh, used maladaptive coping mechanisms, you know, i.e. drinking, you know, being at clubs I shouldn't be at, blowing money, you know. Then I look back and then I go, oh, I don't have money to do this. Well, well, look at your behaviors that you lost the money on. You know, if you just kind of like weren't trying to like get a, a quick like high or trying to feel good, a euphoric feeling, if you, if myself, if I would have just realized in that moment and then set everything aside, then I could have tried other things that would truly gave me fulfillment. If that makes yeah, sense. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I feel like that's what writing comedy does. Like, I don't know about you, but I kind of have the bigger picture in mind. And then I have to realize, like, the small steps every day to get to that bigger picture, it's hard when you're in the middle of it because you feel like, oh, my God, it's never going to happen. Ah! And then, like, something really right. cool happens. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's a lot like, that's a lot like, like, um, even in sports, you know, I know people use sports for real life. And, you know, first thing I do have to say is everyone, uh, everyone in sports always refers to like, oh, my sport correlates to life. And, and there are correlations. But I just want to say, I don't know at any point when in life you need to 
especially for football, when you have to go and run and tackle somebody, unless they like stole like a family heirloom, then I understand you have to tackle or drill them in the back of the head with a football. But I just always, always thought that was funny when I hear football coaches, football is life. Like I've never been in the grocery store and seen or I've witnessed a, a person stocking shelves get knocked the hell out by somebody running through because, you know, they wanted the latest flavor of Gatorade. I've just never noticed that. So sometimes there's a little bit of loss, but, the one thing you can that I've realized with sports and people who have made it in said sports is they believe, well, one, they were physically gifted. You know, you got to give them that. They had, they had the athletic ability to achieve. But the one thing I've noticed with most of the people that I've known that have gone on, they were humble with every step and everything. And they treated everybody like an equal. And that's, the one thing that I noticed, and uh, the people that have done that have had had success. I'm not saying that narcissists don't have. So there's a lot of narcissists, a lot of successful narcissists, or people who are just pricks. Uh, the people that I've known that have gone on to make it, and they just been they've been humble with what they've had and what they've been afforded. That's just something that I try to aspire to too, is by being truly humble for anything that I've achieved and truly want to also see other people succeed. You know, I'm happy for everyone's success when they get something big. It's like, Hey, that's awesome. Just keep going. You know, I probably should be, I'm more of a cheerleader for other people. And sometimes I'm not my own biggest cheerleader. It's something I'm, I'm working on. Yeah. However, I do enjoy seeing other people succeed. Well, I definitely cheering you on, man. It's been it's been humbling and enlightening to be in this artist way group. I definitely am really grateful for everybody that I've met in this group and grateful for you and your insights that you share every week. Um, I also want to thank you for your time today because I know um, uh, you know you're you're a busy dad and also condolences to your family, man. I'm, Oh, thank you so much. I mean, in the in the feelings mutual, you and the crew, I I gain so much perspective each week. I, I thank you all. It's really been uh, an eye-opening experience, and it, it's been super helpful. You know, it's helped me get through when I'm down on myself. It, it's helped me realize, okay, you can get it. You can. There's things you can achieve. You can get it done. So I thank you all for your time and your and your energy. And thank you for having me on, on your podcast. It's been a pleasure. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to have you as well. How can people find you on uh, to, to book you for shows? Oh, that's a great question. You know, <laughs> they can, they can, uh, my Instagram handle is Tabitha's. But it's Tabitha's dad at Raymond, which is R-A-Y-M-O-M-B. It's an inside joke. So they can hit me up there. Or you can shoot me an email. I have a Gmail. I can't think of the handle right now, so let's go with my Yahoo email. <laughs> I do have a Gmail. I got I to gotta yell out Yahoo. I don't even know what Yahoo does. Living in Silicon Valley, I don't even know if there's a Yahoo campus anymore in Sunnyvale. You know, I live literally less than a mile. I'm telling people where I live on your podcast. Like some person in like, you know, 
Bozeman, Montana is now going to come out and hunt me down because I just said where I, I live less than a mile away from the Apple campus, <laughs> the main spaceship. I mean, there's still a lot of houses around. There's like 3 million people where I live. So if they want to hunt me down, that's fine. Um, well, bro, bro, I can see you doing like sports dad shows. Like you would be like this best like sports dads and their sports dad jokes. It would be, you guys can make each other laugh about things that I don't understand. Like the the whole like <laughs> the whole like uh like when you guys recall like old uh, sports moments and memories. Like I don't know what you're talking about, but I. I feel the vibe and I understand the love. Like that's the part that makes that's it so awesome. awesome. <laughs> you know, you know what? I could see a moment that you would totally vibe with is when Mike Tyson bit Evander Holyfield's ear off. And the reason why I say that because because right, <laughs> I can see you just. I remember watching that fight live at my friend's. Uh, my friend had this giant Adams Family house, which was like the first farmhouse here in the South Bay. And uh, we were in there watching, and my son was in his, his – he was not even one years old. And, you know, he's in his little car seat thing. And we're, like, watching it, and then we see the first bite, and we're like, wait, did he just bite dude's ear? And then the second bite, and he spit it out. We're like, what the hell just happened? But then you find out why Tyson did it because of Evander Holyfield's headbutting, and, you know, he was, like, telling him to back off. He was trying to defend himself, but of course everybody viewed Tyson as an animal, which is a whole different topic. I'm a huge Mike Tyson fan. Just a little uh, fact: I was the first person in my high school to beat Mike Tyson in the Mike Tyson punch out game. So everyone used to come to my house, and if Twitch was around then, I would have blown up. But is there a market for like guys over fifty to go back and relive video game moments from the eighties? Is there a market? Dude, Do you think, think there is, Christy? I really do. I think that you could start a TikTok or a channel somewhere and people will definitely, oh, for sure, man, for sure. There's a market for everything. Um, see, like, like see an old, right? That's the main thing is connecting. Like, is there, can, can an old dude over 50 go back and relive some moments? I, I'm kind of wondering if I could still win the game. I might have to look into it. See, and there's a, there's another uh, synchronicity moment. That would be <laughs> well, have you seen that would be a reaction reaction videos. No, yeah, I watch reaction videos. I watch people who don't. So I'm a huge like rock heavy metal fan, but I listen to other genres of music, and I watch opera singers, or you know, like vocal people. Uh, you know, they'll react to Ronnie James Dio singing "Heaven and Hell." Or they'll like react to, you know, um, Rob Halford from Judas Priest singing Painkillers and all that stuff. And it's just really cool to see people like, oh, whoa, they can sing. Well, yeah, they, those two metal singers really can sing. But I have. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Proceed. You were, as you were saying. <laughs> no, I can definitely see it. I can see a reaction channel. Mr. Raymond Cornell on there talking sports moments, metal moments. It's your platform, man. It's your art. You got this. Um, well, thank you. Taurus Leo. <laughs> it's the Taurus Leo where I can just eat food and then just want to chill. <laughs> but I have to have a mic in the stage. Yeah, I guess my daughter was right. I guess I owe my daughter a Starbucks now. Or 
<laughs> Duncan. She was right. <laughs> my daughter was right the whole entire time. Um, oh, my email is dolphins13rc at yahoo.com. Oh I'm a Dolphins God, fan, dude. unfortunately. Raymond, it's plural. I'm, I'm roasting you in my brain right now, but he, what I'm going to do is I'm going to – this podcast is coming out tomorrow. I'm going to tag your Instagram um, in the stories, and I'm also going to tag it in the show notes so that people can find you. So after this episode, I'll just connect with you, and we'll get the information that – that's totally fine. And you know what? You can totally roast me. It's fine you're roasting me. I get roasted all the time by my family. It's all good. I'm used to it. Oh, and by the way, one of my bits that I am working on, uh, last time I coached, I helped the semi-pro team. There was a drive-by shooting that occurred. And so trying to make a drive-by shooting funny. Nobody died. I, I want to say that. Nobody was killed. But the guy I was coaching with was from Compton, and he left me on the side of the road. <laughs> he left me by the practice facility. He told me, Ray, we got to get out of here, and he was gone. But, yeah, I have a whole bit on that, and um, it sometimes works. You just, you know, you got to pick your crowd. You can't go into, you know, like Alcoholics Anonymous and just drop that drop that bit. It's just uh, some people just look at you like, what the hell? You know, hey, hey, all that. I forgot the other group. There's another group, like therapy thing. I forget what it's called. Probably Al-Anon. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a whole different topic for another time. Because I can keep you on for a whole <laughs> We could talk all day, Christy. But oh, yeah, man. I do appreciate your time. What I will do is um, down the road, I'm, because this is an experiment, I'm just kind of going through with daily podcasts. So down the road, once I get a little bit more comfortable, um, I'll definitely love to have you back. I would love to hear your progress with your channel um, so that we can talk about your reaction channel, eating food and doing sports or whatever you, you do. <laughs> yeah. <Yes. laughs> I don't even know what I do. <laughs> I, I no, enjoy yeah, you know what? Next time I'm on, I'll have to talk about how I almost died at the end of last year from choking on a hot dog, a jumbo dog from the movie theater. That was an experience in and of itself. Uh, but the funny thing is the the doc is my specialist for my, my throat and my GI tract. But here's the part. So they ask you before they put you under, hey, Raymond, what's the last time you ate? I told them I was technically still eating. They didn't think it was funny. I thought it was hilarious. Because the hot dog was stuck in my throat. And they did. They go, when's the last, when's the last time you've eaten? I said, um, technically, I'm still eating. And they just put me out. They didn't think it was funny. They just put me out. And then it took my doctor a half-hour procedure, turned into almost two hours. Because he had to pick it out piece by piece, he couldn't push it down or pull it out or grab it. That's how big the freaking jumbo hot dog at the movie theater was. So people, the take home, just remember this, always chew your food slowly and just take your time. Don't rush to eat stuff. Chew your food slowly, and there's definitely a hot dog joke. There's definitely a dick joke in everything. There's a dick joke in there for sure, for sure. Oh, they're told, <laughs> you know, there absolutely is, you know. <laughs> they're deadly, yes, a I, I person that I uh, – a married couple that I know that that, that coach Paul Volt, they told me there's a, they told me there's definitely a, 
a deep throw joke in there somewhere. I'm like, you know what? There is. <laughs> Just haven't found it yet. Maybe uh, we, y'all will come up because y'all are brilliant. Y'all are hilarious. Y'all very quick. So maybe I'll throw that out there at the next uh, the next writing session and see what what sticks and what comes of it. And with that, my darling, my friend, um, my brother from another mother, um, <laughs> Raven, thank you so much for your time. Um, oh, thank you. And lots of love. Lots and, and oh, to your family. Back at you. Send them love. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Take Bye. care. Thank you. Bye.